0: Reading from the book of Jeremiah. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to those who I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon Build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce, marry and have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Well, good morning. It is great to see you this morning. Thanks for joining us. For all those who are joining us from home. Um, It's an honor to have you join us, a special uh, good morning to Kay and Don and um, Lou and those not only in Charleston, but in other states who are planning to move here. We look forward to welcoming you into our community. Uh, Before we dive into this passage from Jeremiah 29, would you bow your heads with me as I share another brief word of prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth In the meditations of our hearts, be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, I pray, come, Holy Spirit, come, in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to begin by asking everyone this question. When have you last considered that you are built for something bigger, that God might have a bigger plan for your life? As shared in Crossroads, when she was young, Florence Chadwick wanted desperately to be a great speed swimmer. So at the age of six, she persuaded her parents to enter into a 50 yard race. She came in last, so she practiced every day for the new year. Again, Florence entered and lost. Then when she was 11 years old, Florence won attention and praise, competing in the San Diego Endurance Swim, six miles in total. But she still wanted to be a speed swimmer. So at age 14, she tried for the National Backstroke Championship, but came in second to the great Eleanor Holm. At age 18, she tried out for the Olympic speed swimming team and came in fourth. And yet only three made the team. Frustrated, she gave it up, married, and moved on to other interests. As she matured, however, Florence began to wonder if she might not have done better if she had specialized in endurance swimming, something that came more naturally to her. So with the help of her dad, she began swimming distances yet again. 12 years after she had failed to make the Olympic team, Florence Chadwick swam the English Channel, breaking Gertrude Elderly's 24-year record. From there, Florence would go on to become the first woman to swim the English Channel both ways and the first woman to swim the Catalina Channel, the Straits of Gibraltar, the Bosporus, and the Dardanelles. You see, it took her a while, but eventually Florence found out what she was created to do, and she did it. Here's a picture of Florence from back in the day. Is it up there? Yeah, there she is. Look at the joy in her face. Isn't her joy magnetic? Now, turning to our passage, today we're going to look at an iconic piece of Scripture. Jeremiah 29. It's one of those passages that we often see uh, shared on social media, right? Or on the front or back of t-shirts or on prayer journals. And that's for good reason. Why? Because it's a text within a broader context that invites us to lengthen our gaze and widen our hearts. And just like Florence, discover that there may in fact be a bigger purpose for our lives. So Jay, are you ready to have your... Gaze lengthened and your heart opened wide? Give me a nod. Give me a little love. Yes. Let's dive into Jeremiah 29. The big idea for us today is this. You and I were made to flourish by living in and living out a God-sized vision. Let me repeat that. You and I were made to flourish by living in and living out a God-sized vision. We're going to unpack this today through three points. Point one, look up and trust the Lord. Point two, look around and find your family. And point three, look out and love your city. So point one, look up and trust the Lord. Let's start with the famous verses many of us probably recognize that Miss Kathy read this morning. Verses 11 through 13. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope in the future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart, we read. Now, two things are noteworthy about these specific verses. First, they're beautiful, right? They're beautiful. They highlight God's promises and character thus allowing us to look up and trust him. However, there's a, something a little unique here. The means, by which, the means by which we're to look up and trust the Lord, it contains a twist. So let's look at this together. First, these verses are beautiful, highlighting God's promises and character. I know the plans I have for you, Parker. Plans to prosper you plans to give you a hope in a future. So meaning, unlike the world around you that's so fickle and fragile and depraved and unpredictable, God says, you can trust in me. Moreover, note the intimacy of the language here. Scott, we read, I know you. I will listen to you. I will be Found by you he shares. So let me ask, do we have any movie lovers here? Audience, participation, congregational, at home, you can raise your hand. I can't see you. Okay, anyone like great epics? Raise your hand. The language in our passage here is similar to those great epics like Last of the Mohicans. Remember that movie? Where the main character cries out for his kidnapped love, I will search for you. I will find you. No matter the cost, I'm coming for you. And those of us who have tender hearts get tears in our eyes, don't we, Cody? (laughs) Thus, we're invited to look up and trust the Lord. He's sovereign over us. Josh, he cares for us. And he has a plan for us. Now, before we turn to point two, as I mentioned earlier, there's a twist. The means by which God develops and deploys us for his purposes is not through a walk on the beach, but a trek through the wilderness. Did you catch the very beginning of our passage? This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile— From Jerusalem into Babylon. Exile? What? Did I I read that right? Furthermore, did you catch the timeline? Anyone catch the timeline or are you still asleep? Okay. Yes. This is what the Lord says When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. Um, God, come again? 70 years? Yes, sometimes God seriously takes his time. Now pulling back and considering our text within its broader context, this passage was originally written for the people of Judah when they had fallen into sin and idolatry and God allowed them to be captured and exiled by King Nebuchadnezzar in the Babylonians. And yet the bigger point here is God often uses the toughest times in our lives to develop our character so we can truly and fully live for him. And you know, when you're reading this in the Bible, that sounds pretty reasonable, doesn't it? Maybe even adventurous until the lights go out and you're all alone. Do we trust? in God in the tough seasons, or do we curse him? Do we reach for him in the tough times, or do we reach for something or someone else? And guess what? Even Jesus faced this pattern or twist of development. Check this out. In Mark 1, following his baptism, we read these words. This is crazy, Just as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove and a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. Beautiful, right? The passage goes on. At once, the Spirit sent him into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and the angels attended to him. Crazy, right? Jesus, I love you. Now go face the lions and the tigers and the bears and oh, and starve for a few weeks and take the barbs or hits from the evil one. Sure, dad, sounds great. I'll see you soon. I'll see you in 40. You see the twist? Point one, no matter what circumstances you find yourself in, even today, look up and trust the Lord, knowing He is sovereign and that He cares for you and He has a plan for you. Oh, and don't be surprised by twists in the road. They're somehow, mysteriously yet beautifully, part of the process. This leads us to point two look around and find your family. Do it. If you're here in person, we look to your left and your right? Look around and find your family. If you're joining us online, you can just look at me. <laughs> the passage gives us this charge. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons. Give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations, God says. Now here's the deal. I don't want to get all sappy on you guys But this last week, I did get a little sappy studying this passage. You see, when we started this church, someone asked me, Paul, how would you define success in this church, looking down the road? Sure, it was a corporate question, but I remember sharing several things, one of which was, it is my dream. It still is. It is my dream to see our sons and daughters and kids and students raised up in the love of Jesus so that they can walk with him all the days of their lives. And here's where it gets really sappy. Moreover, I shared that I thought it would be incredible to see some of our sons and daughters even marry each other down the line. Is that sappy or what? There it is, I laid it out. Well, guess what? Turns out that's not my vision. That's God's vision for his family. Here in Jeremiah 29, we see God calling us to live in community, in for community, committing to one another, caring for one another. Multiply and marry, the passage says. Give your sons and daughters to one another in marriage, the word says, so that my name and my people may increase. The truth is we are all hardwired for community. We are all hardwired for relationship. And when that goes missing, God's plan goes awry. God wants us to look around and find our family, serving as moms and dads, aunts and uncles, grandmas and grandpas, sons and daughters, as part of a living and vibrant gospel community. And just to drive home this point, it's important to note that this passage, catch this, it was not written for individuals using singular language, but for God's people using plural language. In other words, when God says he has a plan for us, he's talking to the we, not just the me. You see that? We will only flourish in the context of community. Moreover, this is especially true in times of adversity, such as what we're facing right now in 2021. To further illustrate that we're called to gospel community, God says something at the end of our passage that is meant to stretch our gaze or our imaginations. Listen to this. He says, I will gather you from all the nations and places and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. In other words, our destiny is not only tied to believing. This is important because we live in a hyper-individualized Western church. It's not just tied to believing, but belonging. Our destiny is not tied just to believing, but belonging. Belonging to a global family of God. See, Janet, you have brothers and sisters right now around the world with whom you will laugh and you will sing and with whom you will spend eternity. And you know what? That's amazing, isn't it? This past weekend, I had the privilege. Thankfully, he's here. He's now eight feet tall uh, here in the front row. He's 6'9", my senior, Caden Sorensen. I had the privilege of flying up with Caden and one of his best friends to Wheaton College for a college visit. In addition to meeting the school president and taking a tour of the campus, we're invited to attend a chapel service together. And here's the deal, the service brought me to tears. Here in this picture, let's show the picture. You can see approximately 3,000 students worshiping God. And do you know how many nations were represented? Over 90. It was such a powerful reminder of this passage where we are called to look around and find our family. And such a picture of Revelation 7 where we read that we will worship the Lord alongside a great multitude that no one will be able to number. A global family representing every nation, tribe, language, and people. And this leads us to point three. Look out and love your city. The last part of our passage we're going to examine reads, Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill excuse me, my good promise to bring you back to this place. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Friends, did you know that for the first time in history, 50% of the world's population lives in a city? And did you know that by 2050, 68% of the world's population will live, work, and worship in a city? That's interesting, right? One more thing or question about cities. Did you know that the story of the Bible begins in a garden, but ends in a city. Check it out. So why are cities so important? Because cities represent opportunity and accessibility for people of all different backgrounds. They're like a tapestry of God's great design. If you're poor, you typically find better work in a city If you're a creative, you typically find other artists and creatives in a city. If you're a business type, you're likely to find entrepreneurial collision or connection in a city. If you're a person or a family with special needs, access to medical care tends to be better in a city. And if you're the scholarly type, I see you back there, Ms. Dolan. Libraries and universities tend to be more numerous in a city. It's been said that if you reach a city, you reach a region. But here's my confession. I didn't grow up thinking much about cities or cities in light of the gospel. Did you? I didn't. See, no matter our background, even if we're from Polk County, our passage makes clear that we are to love our city. In other cities. We're told seek the peace and prosperity of the city, or in the original language, the shalom of the city, which means the total flourishing of the city. We're to pray for our city, its people, its industries, its future. And we're meant to be committed as good neighbors, selfless servants, and good citizens. So one fellowship, let me ask some questions. What if our neighbors and our colleagues, I know we have a lot of people moving around here, moving to Charleston, but even those of us who've been in Charleston uh, for a hot many, a lot of you've moved in the last year, haven't you? Moving to different neighborhoods, repositioning for schooling or whatnot. What if our neighbors and our colleagues knew we cared about them and were praying for them? There's a couple that was invited uh, to our church live up near uh, 41 and I I said, how did you hear about our church? Well, we met someone on a walk and they go to your church. Why I asked the family who they met on the walk and they're like, yeah, we don't remember talking to them about one fellowship, but you know what they did. They literally crossed and met on a walk. Hey, nice to meet you, neighbor. What if our neighbors were seen and heard and cared for, not in a brash way, but a kind and authentic way. Hey, I'm Rob, I'm Brandy, nice to meet you. And what if we began to give up some of our precious free time to cross socio and economic boundaries in this city? What if more and more of us did hope, repair, feed the need, or launch new ministries to build bridges, not walls? If we're a student or a kid, what if we... Seeing that other kid sitting all alone or that student all alone, kind of that oddball, what if we dared to get up and sit with them and become friends with them? And what if we as a church, check this out, what if we as a church took a long approach and had a 70-year vision, including raising up the kids and students and families here in this church in the love of Jesus for generations to come, even if we might not see them live it out. What if we did these things? Maybe we'd reach our city. To quote Nikki Gumbel, purpose in life is far more important than property or possessions. Having more to live with is no substitute for having more to live for. And you see, You and I were made to flourish by living in and living out a God-sized vision. So as we land this plane, conclude this message, first look up and trust the Lord. Claire, look up and trust the Lord, no matter what you face this year. God loves you and he wants the best for you. This is true not only in the good times, but also in the hard times. Pray to him and wait for him and cling to him and revision your life under the veil of his sovereign care. Next, look around and find your family. You're not alone. That is the biggest lie you'll ever face, that you are all alone. No, You're part of a global family where you have a role to play, a role in which you're called to come alive, encouraging one another, building up one another, championing one another. You know, I'm really proud of my kids, but my kids, they're being raised by a community, you. You guys are pouring into their lives. I can't tell you what it means, Colin, when you come and cheer on Caden and Blaze in their basketball game. Is, I can't tell you how excited I get when I hear that you've gone and babysat some other person's grandkids because you don't even have your own. You see, we're called to look around and find our family and revision our lives as gospel brothers and sisters, moms and dads, aunts and uncles, sons and daughters, and it will matter and mean more than you ever know if you commit to playing a part in this family. And lastly, look out and love your city. Our scripture says, build, plant, marry, multiply, seek the peace and prosperity of the city. Pray to the Lord for it, for if it prospers, you too will prosper. Thus, let's commit to being active servants and citizens, whatever that looks like, in our neighborhoods, our schools, our workplaces, wherever we go. You and I were made to flourish, Garth, living in and living out a God-sized vision. Let's really press into what this looks like this fall together. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I I thank you for this word. It, It calls us back to you. It calls us to one another and it calls us to go out and live on mission for our city and beyond. Would you capture our hearts, revision our lives, May it not just be about the me, but the we. Hem us in with you and one another. And we do pray for the total flourishing, the prospering of our city, Charleston, and other cities. God, would you send your justice and your mercy and your love? Would you send revival from the bottom up, from the kids and the students, all the way up to us who are older, God? We want to see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.